Saturday night, Ohio State handled its business with ease. And the day after, well, that's for the Sunday Blitz. Zach Bourne in the house. I am Austin Ward. Welcome back to the podcast, Ohio State. A 38-3 to winner in a game that wasn't even really that close, Zach. No, it was not. They, uh, you could tell this team put the coasters on coming out of halftime. You know, there were some guys who who got some different looks. I think, uh, you know, Michigan State and Ohio State coaching staff have a uh, decent relationship, so you could tell with the play calling in the second half. Besides the shot to Marv to to start, you know, the the first possession in the third quarter, but I think that was just the pad Marv stats a little bit from that standpoint. But. Um, you could definitely tell that this Ohio State team in the first half was literally firing on all cylinders, and it was great to see. And that's even without some key guys. You know, you're playing without on defense side Josh Proctor, Tommy Eichenberg, Lathan Ransom. Like those are three dudes that that you're missing. And so for uh, the Ohio State defense to still play well, for the Ohio State offense, in my opinion, to take the next step, it was awesome to see come November. Yeah. What was that step, Zach? Like, I mean, we could see the results and the points were piling up, and sometimes it's as simple as just getting it to Marv, but uh, that can't be the only thing. If you're looking for fast starts, if you're looking for, I don't know, what it was that you wanted to see, did you see it? How did they get that done? It's not the fast start. It's it's the common theme that you and I have been talking about on the show all year. To me, it's just confidence. It's not a talent thing. It's not um, you know, a fast start thing. It's not a, a finishing thing. It's a confidence thing, and and this team is so skilled. Um, but so many times in college football, and I think you know, like I said, we've talked about it so many times. Is guys don't play up to their potential purely on confidence, right? Teams don't play up to their potential purely on confidence. And then on the flip side, there's teams that are not very good that play much better because of confidence, you know. And so, I think this Ohio State team. Um, not that they're lacking confidence, but they were just, they've been waiting for that swagger. They've been waiting for, um, you know, that, that, that confidence within the locker room that no matter who they play, no matter what position they be that they're in, they're coming out swinging and they're going to be successful. And you're starting to see that build, you know, we, we, we obviously went on the road at Notre Dame, but then, you know, there was just something missing and we all kind of talked about it. Um, and then, you know, Penn State hit, and we dominated the entire game, but it was still like, man, we could have beat them like 50 to 10, right? We right. could have absolutely dominated them. And then you see them going to Wisconsin, and, you know, it's a tough environment, but still something's kind of lacking. And then you go to Rutgers, which, you know, Rutgers is a, a, a much better team than the Rutgers have passed. It's kind of like, ah, something's missing. And then last night you're like, oh, okay, H- here it is. Because I'm telling you what, Nothing really changed from the team last night to the team we've seen the weeks prior, right? It is simply uh, so much of college football's mindset, so much of of college football. And I don't want to call it false confidence, but to a lot of teams, it's a false confidence, right? The 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 more uh, you run out into the uh, onto that field, and you've got a, a sense of hey, no matter what they throw at me, no matter what they do, I'm going to make the play. I'm going to do this. There's something to be said about that, and it shows. Yeah, Ohio State had spent, I don't know, nine weeks really saying, gosh, we're we're this close. It's a, it's a matter of timing on one play for the quarterback or a wide receiver on the next play or the offensive line. Like They had all said that collectively, whether that was Kyle McCord or Ryan Day or anyone in between. It was like they felt like it was really, really close when they would watch the film. 
and then you could you could just kind of throw your hands up. You're like, well, this this is nine weeks of this. Is this just who they are? And then there was a performance like last night where, you know, we don't have to pretend like Michigan State is the same thing as Michigan or Penn State, but their defense was like a decent challenge. They had they were in the mid you know forties in total defense to do what Ohio State did to that opponent on Saturday night. I think that that counts for something, and that was a reminder of what this can still look like for Ohio State, that they don't have to always just rely on the be- one of the best defenses in the country. Completely agree with you. I think, you know, this this talking point isn't about the OSU defense because Ohio State defense all year has been playing with confidence. It's, it's an offense, and I think all the Buckeye Nation, you know, media, everyone is saying, hey, where's this Ohio State offense? I would go back the past couple weeks, and I think, Travion Henderson and what he's been able to bring to this running game has just opened up so many things, um, especially with Kyle McCord from a confidence standpoint, right? First year start. You still got to remember Kyle McCord. This is a first year starting quarterback, right? And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, so many games this year with the, the lack of ability to run the football and the way that the offensive line was playing early on the season, I think there was a lot of pressure on Kyle. I think he felt that pressure. I think maybe after the season he might admit that, thinking like, hey, i got to go out every game and be C.J. Stroud. I have to go out you know, and, and throw for 300-plus yards and, and four TDs. And I think the emergence of Trayvon Henderson since he's come back from his injury um, in the way that Ohio State's been able to get him the, the football out of the backfield in so many different ways – has opened up the passing game. And I think that's just created more and more confidence for Kyle McCord where he's like, hey, we can rely on the run game and now I can get back in the pocket and just sling it. And obviously when you're throwing to a guy as well, like Marvin Harrison Jr. And you can see their uh, their kind of working relationship on the field continue to evolve, even though you know they uh, they were teammates in high school. But that's completely different, right? You you yeah. there's a there's a bigger difference playing Pickerington Central and playing <laughs> you know Penn State, right? And so um, I think you're just starting to see a lot of that confidence from Kyle McCord come about. But I think there's so many different factors that are attributing to that. Yeah, I think. Having Cade Stover back is a key part of that, too. So you talked about the return of Trey and what the difference that's made over the last three weeks, two weeks, a couple weeks, whatever. Uh, You have Emeka Buka back. I I still don't even think that he looks like he's at 100%, but having him out there still puts a different stress and and strain on the defense. But Cade, obviously, and that was a big part Like in the postgame, Ryan Day and Kyle McCoy. That conversation after the game, Zach, was just – really about having all the pieces back together. And we can talk about the defense and and missing three of them and continuing to you know, keep rolling really all season. They've put the next man up and it's worked out without really much of a hitch. But again, because of some of the other challenges with new linemen and a new quarterback, having veteran threats like Cade Stover and Travion Henderson and Mecca Ibuka, that seems like it's a bigger deal for the offense. And when they've been fully back together, I mean, this has been a look at how great this team can really become still. So like, I don't know that I don't want to ever really use injuries necessarily as an excuse, but sometimes it is a justification or an explanation for why things may not be clicking at the level that they want. Well, it goes back to I think so many people are just used to a Justin Fields offense, uh, a CJ Stroud offense. Like that's what people are used to. They're they're used to, and you would know better than than I would. I mean, what's Ohio State average from a point standpoint the last five years, right? And I know they're yeah. under that this year um, with that. But my God, I would trade. 
I would trade easily this year for those years, knowing that I've got a defense that's swarming around to the football, that's top five in the country, and with an offense that can still put up points and do do what it needs to do to, to win. We're not talking about Iowa. We're not talking about <laughs> Rutgers, right? This is still a this is still a competent offense that puts up points and makes plays and has the has the horses to to hit the home runs. It just might not hit five home runs a game like you know like we're used to. But uh, you know, I bet it, I, I, it's not even I bet I know uh, Ryan Day and his coaching staff going up to Ann Arbor, Michigan in two weeks will be much uh, more confident with a team like this, knowing that we have a defense that's going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with the team up north and knowing like, hey, listen, when we get in a bad position, this is a defense that can create some turnovers, and then we've got an offense that is starting able to run the football when we need to that, guess what, we need a big playmaker, we can go to 18. I mean, I I was watching him last night in the stadium, and there's times where, I mean, one-on-one – it's next to impossible to guard him. Like, I don't know what college corner can possibly guard him. You know, everyone talks about um, the, the guy from Penn State, and I'm totally drawing, drawing a blank of, you know, him being one of the best corners in the country. Yeah, Kalen King, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And, and Marv absolutely went off against him, right? And that's the same uh, Kalen King who I believe held Roman Wilson to literally zero catches yesterday, right? Zero catches. That's, that's the same secondary that – Oh, uh, Michigan ran what 32 straight run plays didn't throw a pass in the second half because they weren't able to generate much from from a passing standpoint so it's like come on what what more can you ask for if, from that standpoint you know I, I I know this team is starting to become more and more confident the the performance last night is only going to generate more confidence and you hope with a team like Minnesota coming in here on senior day, they're able to build even more confidence than than uh, they had previously going into a massive showdown November 25th. I was going to see, Zach, how long I could get into the Sunday Blitz without putting the game in the focus because yesterday was so significant with Michigan at Penn State. And, and in the context of what maybe Ohio State's performance against Michigan State did to change your mind at all for what's coming in 13 days now, I mean, I think it's probably more to do with Michigan than the way Ohio State played, although Ohio State handled its business. Michigan went on the road and got a win, but I don't know. For me, it that didn't look like some world-beating version of the Wolverines that would have its way with Ohio State. In fact, I came away thinking a little bit of the opposite, where if their passing game is going to be that limited and they're going to have to try and run the football on this version of the Silver Bullets, Felt like maybe Michigan would have a tougher time in 13 days than maybe I would have thought a month ago. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, um, and this isn't even us just talking about it and having this opinion based off of us being massive Ohio State fans and, <laughs> and Ohio State writers and things like that. Michigan going into yesterday, I thought like, hey, very, very good football team, right? I, I was giving them uh, all the kudos that that they had come in their way. But after yesterday's game, you're right. They don't seem like world beaters. They, you know, the the offensive line that they've had the past couple of years, they didn't look as great against Penn State. I mean, Penn State was holding their own. You know, it, granted, Michigan broke two big touchdown runs, one by Donovan Edwards, one by Blake Corum. But outside of that, I mean, Penn State was holding toe-to-toe, and that's with an offense that's literally incompetent and can't <laughs> do anything. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're Ohio State, I know there's coaches – um, that are in that facility breaking down that Penn State Michigan game yesterday. 
if you're the Ohio State coaching staff, you've got to be gaining some confidence on what you're going to be able to do in Ann Arbor to be able to put Michigan in some some different situations. Because if if JJ McCarthy isn't able to throw the ball against Penn State, there's no freaking way he's going to be able to throw the ball against this Ohio State secondary. Yeah, which again continues to manage injuries and get through it. You saw Malik Hartford starting and playing. Uh, I thought he took another step forward. He had a couple of missed tackles at Rutgers when he was thr- you know thrust back into the lineup. Uh, didn't play perfect maybe on Saturday night, but still much better. So the depth continues to grow. You're going to get Josh Proctor back uh, certainly in time for the game, probably next week against Minnesota. May not be the case with Lathan Ransom, so that you have to keep that part in mind as the as that injury bug. That's the way that the season goes, and it, it's unfortunate certainly for Ohio State that he's been such a key part of that. But they have been able to keep things moving. They played more depth. You, you saw Calvin Simpson Hunt even playing some there in the second half and making plays at corner. You know what Jermaine Matthews can do. So, yeah, if you're talking about J.J. McCarthy trying to put some you know, pressure on Ohio State secondary, even without Lathan Ransom, that seems like it's a harder task to envision the way the Buckeyes are playing right now, even when they're not at full strength. Yeah, listen. I think Lathan Ransom is is an unbelievable player. I, I I could go. We could do an entire show for an hour talking about how great Lathan Ransom is and what he brings to this defense. But but let's uh, let's be open and honest about this. When you're going in Ann Arbor and knowing that Michigan's going to want to put you know seven offensive linemen on the field and they're going to be able to run the football. Nothing against Lathan Ransom, but I'd rather have Sonny Styles playing that position anyways in a game like that, right? They, Sonny Styles is going to be basically another linebacker for you that's able to come down and play the run. We all know Josh Proctor can play the run. Um, and, and, you know, listen, let Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, and OGB line up against those wide receivers and play them one-on-one. Like, you know, you're obviously missing uh, leadership and a great player with, with Lathan, but my God, I mean, you, you're going to be putting big Sonny Styles in the box anyways and letting them, you know, letting them make plays. Heck, Ohio State might even show some kind of 4-3 or 5-2 front, right, going against going against the team up north and, and just being able to give them some different looks, which you know Jim Knowles is, is going to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's so many guys playing with confidence right now. You know, Malik Harford, I think, is going to have an amazing career here. Um you know, there's sometimes where he still looks like he's maybe a little out of place, out of position, and that's just you know it's a young kid with uh, things moving quickly. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm sure if you ask Ryan Day, I'm sure if you ask Jim Knowles, this defense is exactly where they want it to be going into November 25th. I mean, Tommy didn't need to play last night. You know, Tommy's yeah. going to be rested up. He probably doesn't even need to play against Minnesota. You know, Josh Proctor's probably the same way with that. So get those guys fresh, get those guys healthy, and then go, you know, guns a-blazing in Ann Arbor, Michigan. If you – you don't have to. If there was anything when you left the shoe on Saturday night, Zach, that you felt like nitpicking, what would that have been? Two but you don't things. have to. It's your no, option. <laughs> two things. Two things. I've got I've got two things from that standpoint. Um, since we're talking about defense, I'll start with that. Without Tommy Eichenberg in the game, I did not love the run fills of linebackers. You know, okay. I think um I, I I think very, very highly um of both of those guys. And maybe I'm leaning more towards Steele from this standpoint, but um I feel like Steele sometimes says, hey, I'm this is my gap, so I'm going to run there instead of saying, hey, listen, 
defensive line, like things happen in, in, in quickly. So find the open air and find the football, right? As a linebacker, your job isn't to fill the A gap if that's your responsibility. Your job is to find the open air, find the football and make the tackle like that. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And so I think you saw that was my one thing. I'm like, man, on first down, you know, Michigan State was getting some four or five yard runs and making second and six, second and five. We saw that a, a more mm-hmm. than I wanted to, mm-hmm. and I just thought the the run the run fits were weren't great. And so many times, type, Tommy Eckenberg has a nose for the football and is able to close those gaps and uh, makes that guy that that's playing next to him, whether it be Cody Simon or Steel Chambers, uh, it, you know, makes them right and makes it even better. That's something going into November twenty fifth. You have to get figured out because we've seen it. Michigan can run the football and they're very successful at it. And if you don't find that open space, you got linebackers running to the back of defense linemen, thinking that's their that's their gap, that's their fill. You're going to have a long day, and so we need to get that figured out. And then the other thing is, this isn't a nitpick thing either, but the center position we need to figure it out. You know, it's um, I, I think you know Carson Hinsman um is a young kid, redshirt freshman. Um, you know, I think he would tell you, I think coach Fry would tell you, I think a lot of other coaches would tell you he needs to progress more than what he is. You know, there were some times we saw a bad snap early on that will kill you, uh, in two weeks from now and, and through the rest of the season, um, there were some blocks where he got beat. I mean, 41 for Michigan state was a dude, but he was more of a dude and making more plays than he should have. And, And a lot of those were, were lined up against 75. So I think, those two areas, to me, outside of the amazing performance that that we saw, those two things were kind of alarming, and they need to get figured out. Yeah, kind of a, a tantalizing moment up there in the press box. I'm sitting next to Bill Landis, who spent a lot of the offseason saying, hey, you know, could, could Matthew Jones solve this problem at center? He was, you think way back, like six years ago at this point, the number number one center in the country, even before guys like Harry Miller, before Luke Whipple that's how long he's been in the program. And it's like, well, there he was. And again, it was late in the game, but it looked pretty good. It's something at least to consider. I don't know how much Ohio State wants to make sweeping adjustments after 10 games. But uh, as you said, it, at least now they have some more tape to consider and game tape at that to evaluate. Not that they don't know if Matthew Jones could play based on practice and backup stuff. But I don't know. It's something to consider, right? For sure. And I think Ohio State loves inside zone. They've loved inside zone for for a long time, right? It's a play that they continue to run. But in order to run inside zone, you have to have a great center. You have to have a center that creates movement. You have to have a center that is very good at getting up to the second level because more often than not, he's gonna he's gonna chip off with the guard, get get a guy there, get a guy on him, and then move up to the second level. And you're just not really seeing that. And that's why I think, you know, you've got so many runs that on inside zone that are only going for two yards or, or three yards. And you're getting a second and longer situation because we're just not getting the movement. We're not getting up to the second level. And um, Ohio State has, oh, my God, been spoiled. Look at over the years from the centers that they've had with, you know, Josh Myers and uh, Corey Lindsley, you know, Pat Elfline and. Jacoby Bourne, right? I mean, yeah. the list goes on and on of, of so many great centers that were so good at, uh, at creating space, getting up to the second level and being able to do those things. And yeah, I mean, 
you can't you can't just say screw it, we're abolishing inside zone because Ohio State's been built on that for so long. You can't say screw it, we're only going to a gap run scheme, which is going to be easier on the center because it's just basically from that standpoint, uh, uh, he's blocking back and you know cut off the and hinging on the backside. It's um, yeah, you're going to have to do something, um, and whether that be you know get back to the fundamentals and work on hand placement, work on uh, pad level, work on you know, not getting so top heavy and, and, you know, leaning with your head because that's when he was, Josh Myers was getting beat or not Josh Myers, but that's where um, Carson Hinsman was getting beat last night. And so, um, yeah, I mean, th- there's so many things we could talk on and on, but not to bore everyone about <laughs> offensive line play from that standpoint, but there, there are a lot of things that need worked on there. All right. Hit us with the, the three and out and get us out of here on the Sunday blitz, Zach. Number three, um, I'm going to go with just the defense, right? I, I, you want to single guys out, and I, you know, I was thinking about leaving the defense completely off, but anytime, you know, I think <laughs> what, how, how many yards they give up total, like 170, something like yeah, that. You know, the you stats know. better than I do. No touchdowns either. Yeah. I think that's the important one there. Correct. No touchdowns, you know, less than 200 total yards Michigan State had. You guys just give it to the defense. You know, there's, uh, there's some guys who obviously stood out over others. But all in all, another game to to build on. Um, number two, this is the first time we're going with this guy all year, but Kyle McCord. Ooh. Kyle McCord, man. He uh, you know, maybe we give him a little bit uh Notre Dame game, a little love, but the dude deserves some some love. Uh career highs with uh completions, career high with total or with passing yards, um, just playing well, starting to to really gain some confidence and Championships are won in November, Austin. So this is the time to shine. So uh, Kyle, man, build on that. Have another great game against Minnesota this week, and then here we go, man. Cement yourself and and kind of Buckeye Buckeye Nation lore in uh, yep. on November twenty fifth. And then top guys got to be Marv, right? I mean, we could go on and on and do so many things, uh, say so many things about Marv, but. My gosh, man. I mean, it almost seemed like he was toying with him. I swear it was almost like he was playing a, a high school team in, in the first half. It was like anytime you went to Marv, he was open, right? It yep. was just like – and uh, the time when when we uh, kicked the field goal in the first half, Marv was wide open on the second down, like wide open. People could go back and look at it wide open. We went to uh, to a Mecca. Or I don't know if that was the second quarter, third quarter, whatever it was. I think it was the third quarter when we went to uh, to Mecca. But yeah. Marv was wide open again, so he very easily could have had four TDs uh, last night. But Marv is going to have to continue to carry this offense, man, because at, at, the more Marv goes, the more the running game is going to be open, uh, the more they're going to be able to do so many things. So – Marv, get healthy, man, because November 25th, we are, we're riding that horse. We're going all in on you, 18. He's up to third in the Heisman Trophy uh, odds boards. I, we checked that last night. He is trending in that right direction, certainly making a case to be a finalist. Ohio State's uh, rolling out that big Heisman Trophy campaign for him. Here comes the sun, and then it helps if you add three touchdowns when you're actually on the field. So, Big night for Marv. He's the number one pick there for Zach Bourne on the Sunday Blitz. We appreciate you uh, joining us to talk a little bit more about what happened on Saturday night. And we'll close the book on Ohio State 38, Michigan State 3, and get ready for Minnesota next Saturday. That'll be at 4 o'clock. So uh, Zach will be down at the Horseshoe probably by 6 a.m. You can find him down there. And then the next day, you can find him here on the podcast on the Sunday Blitz. For Zach Bourne, I'm Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.